0: As freezing cold weather takes over much of the United States, some snarky conservatives are claiming that they wish we had some global warming. This is extremely ignorant, though. Very, very ignorant to tie a weather event to the climate. Because the Democrats have told us time and time again, weather is not climate. Unless, of course, those weather events are convenient for the Democrats' climate arguments, in which case every single weather event is proof of global warming. But even more broadly, okay, beyond one winter storm here or one hurricane there, what Democrats have told us, if they've told us once, they've told us a thousand times, any weather event whatsoever, whether it's hot, whether it's cold, whether it's dry, whether it's wet, whether it's perfectly temperate, any weather event at all is proof of global warming, okay? And that's just the science We're going to follow the science all the way down on a whole host of topics. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. It's like, goodness gracious, guys, can't you read a blog? Can't you you read some blue checkmark leftists on Twitter to know that the science is whatever the left-wingers say? How dare you make jokes about global warming? as I broadcast here from my house. Uh, Third day in a row, another snow day here in beautiful Nashville. My favorite comment from yesterday from Larry, who says, it's so cold here in Texas, I went outside and saw a politician's hands in his own pockets. Wow, that really is shocking. My goodness, that must be the, the coldest weather we've seen in quite a while. But but don't worry. Don't worry. Because while these politicians are trying to warm up their hands in their own pockets, at the same time, I don't know how they're capable of this, they are still reaching into yours. And they're spending your money on some pretty bad stuff, which we will get to in just a moment. You know, I've been snowed in here with my friends for a few days. And when I'm hanging out with my friends, sometimes we have a couple Coca-Colas, a couple adult beverages, and a great way to make your next morning feel a little bit better, liquid IV. You know, good people use liquid IV to rehydrate after sports, after going on a run, maybe just, you know, to get through all of this incredibly warm weather that we're experiencing or your normal day-to-day hydration. But for me, I got to tell you, I sometimes hang out with uh, the guys, you know, as I've been snowed in here, I've been hanging out with my friends, uh, having a couple Coca-Colas, a few adult beverages, liquid IV, a great way to have a uh, good next morning. One serving of Liquid IV provides the same hydration as drinking two to three bottles of water alone. Contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. It's made with clean ingredients, non-GMO, vegan, and free of gluten, dairy, and soy. So you're good. I know you're always afraid. Gosh, I don't know what's going on in this packet. Totally clean stuff. uh, Really, really effective. I really like Liquid IV. It's effective because of cellular transport technology. Do I understand how that works? Not really, but what I do know is it has been proven effective to hydrate you a lot better than just water alone. Grab your strawberry liquid IV or other great flavors in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code Michael at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code Michael. I have long argued that the word science should be banned from political discourse. I, I know there are some conservatives, and this is an, a, an insightful point of view, but I don't think it goes far enough. Some conservatives observe that left wingers abuse the word science. They don't really listen to the science. You know, they manipulate science for their own ends. Conservatives really do pay attention to the science on things like abortion or on things like biological sex or whatever. But even beyond that, I think there's a deeper level we have to get to, which is that while all sorts of information about the natural world can inform our political points of view, science should not dictate politics. Why? Because science, in the way we use the term today, tells us about our natural world. But politics tells us how we want to live, how we want to get along together. It doesn't just take on, you know, discrete problems uh, from the, the finite world, but it deals with eternal questions. How shall we implement justice? What is equality? How do we make sense of our liberty? What is our society for? There aren't narrow scientific answers to those questions, Those are questions that require philosophy. They require a culture and tradition. They require theology because ultimately all human conflict comes down to religious questions. What are we? What are we here for? Where are we going? Using the word science in a political debate is just a trick to cut off the debate. Nobody uses it in good faith, so let's get rid of it. Okay, Democrats have been using science, obviously with the global warming hysteria, but most recently with the coronavirus lockdowns. And then when the scientific bodies say, for instance, that it's perfectly fine to open up schools, there's no evidence that the virus is being particularly transmitted in schools or to teachers or anything like that. What do the Democrats do? They abandon it and they do the bidding of the teacher unions. Ron DeSantis is receiving a lot of pressure right now to reopen the state of Florida. you got a Republican governor. He's done a great job on coronavirus. Uh, he's receiving a lot of pressure, uh, rather, to keep Florida closed, to, re- to reclose Florida e- even after he had opened it, and specifically to keep the schools closed. Ron DeSantis says absolutely not. He's not going to pay any attention to those teachers' unions. We followed the data when we worked to get the kids, get the parents the option to send the kids back because we had looked at what happened in Europe, places like Sweden and all these other places. And it does not require another hundred billion dollars. The school reopening plan that makes the most sense, if you want to open schools, open them, open the door, let them come in and let them learn. And the only reason that that is not happening Across this country, like it is in Florida, like it is in a handful of other states. It's one reason and one reason only because the Democratic Party puts the interests of education unions and special interests ahead of the well-being of our children and of our families. He's absolutely right. There's no question about it. Uh, He is invoking science. I think a lot of practicing politicians have to do this because this is the language that everybody speaks, and so therefore you want to appeal to that language. I I don't fault him for it, but in the long term, I think we need to get away from that and say, wait a second, I don't care what people in lab coats tell me. There is not an inevitable course of politics. Politics involves debating moral and ethical questions and actually asserting a, a, a little sway over how we want to run our lives. That's what self-government is. In America, the Founding Fathers didn't give us government by lab coats. That's not the purpose of the Constitution. It was to give us self-government. We have the right to say, well, I am i understand there's X amount of risk if we reopen the schools. We might get the virus, but I'm willing to take that risk because I think that education is important, so on and so forth. DeSantis, obviously, running for president in 2024, right? I think it's it's pretty clear at this point, he'd be crazy not to. He's put himself in a very good position. A lot of people are calling for him to run in 2024. You can tell that he's he's a really adept politician, probably a little more politically sophisticated or, or politically polished than, say, Donald Trump, because DeSantis doesn't use this word Teacher unions. We usually, we're concerned as rail against the teacher unions. DeSantis doesn't. Did you hear what he said? He said the education unions and the special interests. Now, what's a special interest? Everybody has special interests, don't we? But the term special interests, that sounds really bad and really dark. Just like teacher unions, a lot of people like their teachers. But education union, I don't know. I don't have any particular... Uh, draw to an education union. It's a a way to uh, take away your affinity for that particular group. I have long compared DeSantis to Chris Christie. And some people think I'm being insulting when I say that. I'm not comparing him to Chris Christie in 2016 or 2020. I'm comparing him to Chris Christie in 2012, where at the time... You had this very serious, very popular, very effective governor who was a state politician for basically his whole career and was doing a good job and he talked tough and he, he knew how to, how to work different groups. Christie in particular knew how to uh, sort of go after certain public sector unions that previously had had a lot of sway in his state. Actually, specifically going after the teacher union. I think DeSantis is doing a good job at that too, puts him in a good position. He's obviously right on the question of science, and more importantly, on the question of politics. How is the White House handling COVID science, you might want to know. Well, uh, since Inauguration Day, about 87,000 people have died in the United States from coronavirus. Hard to get exact numbers because the reporting is a little spotty, but uh, call it about 87,000. Which means, by the logic of Joe Biden, by the logic of the Democratic campaign in 2020, Joe Biden killed 87,000 people. Can you believe that? Gosh, we got to impeach this guy. We got to take power away from him before he kills more people. Because we were told, Joe Biden actually told us this himself, Donald Trump was responsible for every single coronavirus death that occurred while he was president. Now, reasonable people might have said, look, epidemics happen and it's not the president's fault that an epidemic happens. And actually, Trump did a very good job, right? He, everyone told him, there's no way you could get the vaccine in time. There's no way you could get it within a year, right? All the experts, all the media, all the Democrats said you couldn't get that vaccine. And then what happens? He gets a vaccine conveniently a day or two after the election, but it was, it was clearly ready to go right Right within the year, actually by the fall. So he did a good job, but still Biden says all the debts are his fault. So, okay. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Joe Biden is now personally responsible for 87,000 people dying from coronavirus. What are they doing moving forward? How is this vaccine that Trump got us, how is this vaccine rolling out? Well, Kamala Harris says uh, maybe you should lower expectations.
1: I mean, the challenge, Mike, is, you know, what I explained to the mayors, um, there was no stockpile, right? It's, in many ways, no stockpile of. of vaccines, right? So we're looking at this. There was no national strategy or plan for vaccinations. We were leaving it to the states and local leaders to try and figure it out. And so, in many ways, we are com- we're starting from scratch on something that's been raging for almost an entire year.
0: There was no stockpile. We were told by you guys and by the entire liberal establishment that it was ridiculous to expect that there would be a vaccine in 2020, that there would be a vaccine even by now. Trump managed to achieve that because of his leadership on the virus. And now you're complaining that what, he didn't leave enough extras? How many millions of people have been vaccinated already? How many millions of vaccines have gone out? In the places where the vaccine rollout got bungled, where was it? It was Democratic states. It was New York. It was Andy Cuomo who handled coronavirus worse than anybody in this country. You actually, because of Cuomo's policies on on the vaccine, you had people throwing out vaccines, vaccines being wasted because he had a special tier system of who gets to receive it. Constantly passing the buck. And these these are the expert geniuses. That we're told we have to follow. By the way, Fauci said that we're not starting from scratch on vaccine distribution. He, came, he actually contradicted VP Kamala Harris. Axios, a left-leaning outlet, posted this tweet. They then deleted it because it, it, the news didn't look too good for the White House, didn't look too good for Kamala Harris. It shows you that the state of journalism is about the same as the state of science and politics in this country. Not so great. You know, one uh, scientific and technological breakthrough that I really like, ring, because you can see who is outside of your door before you open that door. There are a lot of people showing up to our doors these days. Uh, You may have heard a doorbell or two go off even during this broadcast today. People showing up because they want to bring over baby clothes. They want to bring over food. They want to come visit the little baby like my in-laws. Well, Depending on who it is at the door, maybe I'm going to answer. Maybe I'm going to stay perfectly still and pretend uh, that no one's home. You can do that with Ring. (laughs) Ring allows you to see and speak with whoever is at the door before you open the door. It's super cool, very futuristic sort of technology. It's why I give it off. I give it away as a housewarming gift to my friends. Another reason I give it as a housewarming gift... It's not particularly expensive. Great way to get peace of mind. You can check in on who's at your door, whether you're at home, whether you're in the office, maybe you're on a beach somewhere on the other side of the world. Right now, you can get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro, the perfect way to upgrade your front door and start your Ring experience. And by the way, you can grow your Ring experience from there. They have a ton of other great products. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, that is ring.com slash Knowles. Axios deletes a tweet in which Dr. Fauci, the exalted one, peace be upon him, contradicts VP Kamala Harris. This would be impossible. These are the two most wonderful people in the country. How how could they possibly be disagreeing? So the left didn't like that Axios was reporting on this, so they delete the tweet frankly, Axios is the gold standard of journalism today compared to places like the New York Times or the Washington Post. The New York Times, you'll recall, when covering the Capitol Hill riot, they covered this very sad, the death of Officer Brian Sicknick, and they reported that a Trump supporter bashed Officer Sicknick in the head with a fire extinguisher, right? This was a a key piece of evidence in the narrative that was building up about the Capitol riot leading into the impeachment trial of Donald Trump, the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump. I I know that now I have to uh, specify. So the New York Times, even though we've known that the, the fire extinguisher story was complete bunk, it wasn't true, no evidence that Officer Sicknick got hit in the head with an extinguisher, they would not retract the story. We've now known this for a long time. They would not retract the story until conveniently right after the impeachment trial of Trump. Rats! They didn't get him. There was, there was no way they were going to convict. Unfortunately, Trump gets to live to see another political day. So the New York Times finally admits the story was bogus. They say, quote, update, new information has emerged regarding the death of the Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick that questions the initial cause of his death provided by officials close to the Capitol Police. Okay. But they actually had to rewrite the, the initial article. Because what we were told was, law enforcement officials initially said Mr. Sicknick was struck with a fire extinguisher, but weeks later, police sources and investigators were at odds over whether he was hit. And medical experts say he didn't die of blunt force trauma. So, therefore, you know, that this is according to one law enforcement official. So, what is it? Is it official? Is it law enforcement officials or officials close to the Capitol Police? this would seem to matter. You know, the, it seems like minor details, but when you're talking about the death of this officer during this riot that is being used as the single piece of evidence, this riot, in the impeachment of a former president, that in itself unprecedented, don't you think you should be specific on the details? But no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't you think when you when you're talking about things, I mean, I guess it kind of ties in more broadly to what we're talking about today. Global warming, science, the apocalypse coming upon us, right? We've got 12 years and the world is going to end, the left tells us. Some leftists tell us it's going to end even sooner unless we do exactly what they say and give them the power. But they're never really specific. Is the world going to end because it's going to get a lot colder and we're going to have a new ice age like they told us in the 70s? And that's why we have to give them all this new power? Or is the world going to end because the earth is warming and it's going to be really, really hot? And that's why we have to give them all the same powers. Or is the world maybe not, not exactly warming? Maybe there's sort of a pause going on in the warming. And actually, you know, the polar bears are doing just fine. And actually, the Arctic ice is doing basically just fine. So it's remaining more or less the same as it ever was. But that that as well is evidence that the world is going to end. We have to give them all this new power. Don't you think the details matter when you're talking about fundamentally reordering society, constitutional government? Uh, property rights, all, all all these very important facets of our society. You would think that sort of thing would matter. But, but who would call them out on it? The scientific experts are in bed with the politicians, right? Even just the field of public health itself. Public, political, health, scientific. Dr. Fauci, a scientist, he's worked for the government for 40 years. How many presidents has Fauci worked for at this point? And the media, of course, part of the liberal establishment too, and totally in bed with the, with the Democrats. There was a very important headline in Newsweek. I don't know if you caught it, the, you know, because I I try to read all the most important news. A Newsweek is reporting, quote, Joe Biden, playing as Luigi, wins in Mario Kart race against granddaughter at Camp David. Whew, man, I was worried there for a second. I was worried the president might lose, or he might, he might play as Bowser or something. He might play as Peach. I don't know. I haven't played Mario in quite a while. This is the article. Seriously, I'm not making this. This is not the Babylon Bee. Article says, how did Joe Biden relax during his first President Day weekend as president? By playing Mario Kart with his family. During his weekend retreat at Camp David, Biden and his granddaughter, Naomi, that's one of the grandchildren that he's willing to acknowledge. There are other grandchildren, of course, that Joe Biden refuses to acknowledge in a very cruel and callous way, still refuses to acknowledge them all, all all these months and years later. Uh, but Naomi, she's one of the nice grandchildren that he will acknowledge. Uh, played the racing video game, and he won. Naomi shared a video to Instagram that showed Biden competing against her on the arcade GPDX machines, complete with chairs and steering wheels. Biden sat on the right as Luigi and Naomi, as Princess Peach on the left. Okay, I can't, I can't read this anymore. Imagine, imagine what the media would have written about Trump. Idiot Trump, who is lazy. And incompetent at his job, wastes time playing video games with Nazi grandchildren. <laughs> right? Like, I think very that'd be like a soft headline in the Trump administration. But this is just a, the only reason I bring it up. It's kind of funny. Is is to show you there will not be journalism. The closest thing you're going to get to any reporting is from the right. You're going to get some conservative outlets where we're still permitted, I guess, to broadcast every now and again. But of course, we're we're siloed, and it, no matter how robust the conservative ecosystem is, Daily Wire does pretty well. But Daily Wire is one source, right? Compared to NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN. So so you, you you could read a headline that says Daily Wire does well on Facebook. You know, we we're a big publisher on Facebook. Or we do you know Ben Shapiro show, one of the top podcasts in the world. We're, we're catching up. We're getting close. But still, you know, the Michael Knowles show, big show. Andrew Clavin show, whatever, you know, this Matt Walsh show, these, these are bigger shows. That's one outlet. <laughs> Compared to every newspaper, basically, every TV network, basically, increasingly including the so-called right-wing ones, every uh, major radio outlet, not AM Talk Radio, that's still held by conservatives, but the rest of them, much of the digital space, all the tech platforms, which are increasingly people's sources of news. It's all dominated by the left, and you're not going to get any reporting. Here's what you're going to get from CNN. Another bit of breaking news. I don't, this is shocking stuff, obviously, of great national import. So if you're driving right now, please pull over your car. Headline from CNN, inside the new president's routine, Oval Office Fires and Early Bedtimes. Joe Biden goes to bed early, not exactly a man bites dog story. That's actually what they're reporting. They say, quote, unlike his most recent predecessors, night owls who spent the dark hours reading briefing materials, President Obama, or watching television, President Trump. Can you believe that? Even, you know, Donald Trump, even his worst critics, should be able to admit the guy's a workaholic. He's working all the time. He's infamous for doing so. But they say, no, you know, Obama's reading and doing important work at night. And, uh, Donald Trump, you know, he's just up watching TV like some idiot at night. By the way, what, what was uh, Bill Clinton doing in those early morning hours? Because, uh, CNN seems to have left that out. Neither here nor there. We'll talk about it another time. But what CNN wants to report is unlike Trump and Obama, who stayed up late, Biden is more of an early to bed type. Gee, you don't say <laughs> our, uh, our senile president is, a, is uh, going to bed a little early. I'm shocked to hear it. And, this is also important, quote, he has expressed a preference for a fire built in the Oval Office fireplace, and sometimes adds a log himself to keep it going. His dogs, two German shepherds called Major and Champ, sometimes join him. This is all just framing, right? I mean, obviously, none of this matters, but all this to say, we like Joe Biden, right? If Donald Trump had gone to bed early, what would that be? Trump, in over his head, lazy, stupid, can't keep up with the job. Trump, he likes fires. Yeah, he likes fire. He's an arsonist is what he is, right? But Joe Biden does it. Oh, goodness, how sweet. You just picture a grandfather going to bed early, making a nice, nice fire. What they're actually doing is just admitting that Trump was right to call Biden Sleepy Joe. He is Sleepy Joe. He gets very sleepy, goes to bed early. Meanwhile, meanwhile, while sleepy Uncle Joe sits by the fire in the Oval Office warming his hands because it's so chilly out with all that global warming, the cognizant people in his administration are enacting radical policies. We were told that Joe Biden is going to govern like a, a moderate. You know, He's going to resist the extremes of the party. No, don't worry. In the last days of the campaign and then in the The uh, runoff in Georgia when the Senate control was being decided, they sent moderates like Joe Manchin on TV. Don't worry about this idea there's going to be radical policy under Biden. And then what happens? Well, CNN crafts this idea that Biden is, he's this nice, warm, moderate guy sitting by the fire. The actual people who are running the show, the, the bureaucrats, the staffers in his administration are pushing radical, radical policies. I don't want to end up like Joe, all tired and sleepy and unable to keep my eyes open, which is why, by the way, I am starting to exercise. I've never been much of one for exercising, but then I got Total Gym. And boy, oh boy, do I love Total Gym. I really do. I love working out at home. I don't love working out. That has never been something that I've been interested in, but I would always hate it where uh, the few times I would work out, I'd go, I'd get changed, I'd drive 15, 20 minutes to the gym, then i get out, then I, you know, maybe you got to get ready there, then you do a little workout, then you gotta get, you got to shower, you got to get changed again, you got to leave. So you, you've taken an hour and a half of your life. How much did you work out? Like three or four minutes? The thing I love is Total Gym Fit because Total Gym Fit allows me to work out in my own home. I just walk right upstairs. It is incredibly effective. These guys have been making fitness equipment for over 45 years. They have an A+. Better Business Bureau rating. I'm sure you remember the commercials with Chuck Norris and Christy Brinkley. I'm going to become Chuck Norris. By beach season, I'm going to be Chuck Norris. I'm telling you that right now. It's a really serious workout. I'm not just saying that because I'm not particularly in shape. You can start out kind of slow and easy, but you can work your way all the way up. I, because I'm sort of prideful, I started out on the really heavy one. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely feeling it the next day, which is what you want. No pain, no gain. Right now, Total Gym is offering a 30-day in-home trial on the Total Gym Fit, that's the one that I have for just one dollar. Seriously, just one dollar. What do you have to lose? No matter which Total Gym you try, my listeners can get an additional twenty percent off whatever discount they're currently running. So it's not you know maybe there's a, sort of a discounted price on the website. You get another twenty percent off. Just head to totalgymdirectcom Knowles to get this special offer. Then you too can look like me looking like Chuck Norris, you got to go to that URL, totalgymdirect.com slash get an additional 20% off. I'm going to be so fit by beach season that I'm going to look like some kind of MMA fighter. I'm going to look like uh, a movie star because I'm going to have to, because I'm now colleagues with an MMA fighter movie star named Gina Carano. Disney plus Disney, the whole Walt Disney company, they try to cancel her because she made perfectly ordinary comments that were in no way objectionable. Really, they canceled her because she's a conservative. Well, that's fine. Their loss is our gain. We hired Gina. She's going to be working on a movie with us. Uh, it's going to be our first in-house movie. It's going to be absolutely terrific. Now, Disney's got what? eight or nine billion dollars to push their content, to push their cancel culture. We have you. And if I had the choice between eight or nine billion dollars or you? I'm not, say, I'm not saying I would answer right away, okay? I'm not saying I wouldn't take a, a minute to think about it, but I think I would still stick with you. I like to think I would stick with you. Uh, thank you so much for your support. We need you to subscribe. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. You'll save 25% using promo code GINA, G-I-N-A, dailywire.com slash subscribe. We'll be right back with a lot more. Cozy old Joe, letting his eyelids sort of flutter, falling asleep in the rocking chair by the fire in the Oval Office. And then his administration pushes radical policies. They're pushing them, by the way, through executive orders. Because these policies are so radical, they actually aren't certain that they'd be able to get them through their own legislative majorities. Democrats control the House, they control the Senate. And still, the Biden policies are so radical, they think, I don't know, maybe we won't get John Manchin. Maybe we won't get Kirsten Cinema. Jen Psaki, our favorite current White House press secretary, was asked about executive orders curtailing Second Amendment rights. She couldn't rule it out. What is your timetable for action on what the president calls common sense measures? And what's the realistic hope that you have that they'll pass both houses?
1: Well, we haven't proposed a package at this point, so it's hard for me to make a prediction about its uh, likelihood of passing. Uh, but I will say that the president is somebody throughout his career who has advocated for smart uh, gun, smart gun safety measures. Um, he has uh, not afraid of standing up to the NRA. He's done it multiple times and one, on background checks and a range of issues. Uh, and it is a priority to him on a personal level. But I don't have a. Uh, a prediction for you uh, or a preview for you on a timeline of a package and certainly not what it would look like and how it would go through Congress.
0: So she can't tell you anything about a gun control package because they haven't worked out the legislative side of this. But this is personally important to Joe Biden. Joe Biden has already signed how many dozens of executive orders since he entered office. He's obviously not afraid of taking executive action. And she's unwilling to say that. that we won't get some some sort of action directly from the White House on the Second Amendment. Just as bad, maybe even worse, Jen Psaki is not willing to state the White House's position on money going to the abortion industry, taxpayer money going to the abortion industry. It is sadly the case in America that the abortion industry is able to operate. It is legal in, in most circumstances to have an abortion to kill babies in the womb. But we have something called the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment prevents taxpayer money from going to abortion services. Now it's kind of BS because money is fungible. So if if government money goes to Planned Parenthood, which it does, Trump cut that amount of money that goes to Planned Parenthood, but Joe Biden kicked it back up again. If you give the money to Planned Parenthood and they say, okay, don't worry, we're only gonna put this money toward computers and the coffee machines right? Well, okay, that means that just frees up other money to go to abortion. When you deposit money into a bank account, you don't say, okay, and this money is only going to go to this thing and this money is good. No, it's just a number on a screen and you have the assets that you have and you're going to spend them. But hypocrisy is the tribute vice pays to virtue. We have acknowledged in this country, even Democrats, that we should not force taxpayers to uh, help subsidize the Democrats' satanic schemes to butcher little babies in the womb. Hate that I have to be so blunt about it, but this is is how many Americans, myself included, view what they are doing. They are asking us to take our money and put it not just towards something we don't like, not just toward a policy that we disagree with, because in a republic we're always going to have to have some taxpayer money going to things that we disagree with, but to a, a unique case, a uniquely evil policy, the butchering of little innocent babies in the womb a violation of the right to life and a pure, perfect violation of the right to life. That is not just one issue among many, but the prerequisite for all the other rights. So Jen Psaki, please tell me, moderate Joe, is going to not force me to pay for baby butchery uh, with my tax dollars. Can't do it. Can this administration right now guarantee if the American Rescue Plan is passed, no taxpayer dollars
1: will go to the abortion industry. Which component of the American Rescue Plan are you referring to? I pull it up right here. Uh, a $50 million funding increase for the Title X
0: program, uh, $750 million for global health activities, and billions in funding
1: for community health centers without applying the Hyde Amendment. Well, the President's uh, view on the Hyde Amendment is well known, as you have stated in your question he also believes that community health centers are a uh, key um, part of addressing the pandemic of ensuring that people in communities uh, have access to vaccines have access to treatment and information about uh, about um, making sure they're healthy and their loved ones are healthy so that remains a priority to the president he's shared his view on the Hyde amendment uh, I don't think I have anything new for you
0: she's got nothing for you so, What's so shocking here is not that Joe Biden would change his position according to political wins. That's what Joe Biden is. He is an empty suit. Not surprised on that at all. Not surprised that Democrats would push these policies to spend more money to kill babies. Uh, They've been doing that for decades, and this is just a continuation of that policy. But her answer here to a direct question, and a simple one, which is, Since the law says you can't spend taxpayer money on abortion, can you guarantee to me that the White House will follow the law and not put money, this taxpayer money toward abortion? She says, Mm -hmm. Joe Biden's view on the Hyde Amendment is very clear. Yeah, I know he opposes the Hyde Amendment. He, He didn't used to, but until, you know, as of five minutes ago, he opposes the Hyde Amendment. Oh, that's fine. But now what you're telling me is the will, the desires of the sitting president supersede the law. Is that it? Trump was a pretty law and order guy. He was, he was actually, I and mean, for all the media hysteria about it, he actually did follow the rules and he actually did do the things he said he would do, generally speaking. And he was called a tyrant, a fascist, an authoritarian. Here, the spokesman for President Biden is coming out and saying, yeah, the law says one thing, but Joe wants something else. So we're going to do what Joe wants, or at least we're not going to guarantee that we're going to follow the law. Who cares about the law? us moi. I am, Joe Biden is the state. Joe Biden's desires are the state. And a flagrant disregard for law. So the reporter, to his credit, very good reporter, he follows up on this question. Jen Psaki, because she's not very good at her job and because she's defending the indefensible, she's got nothing. Follow up, another, can you guarantee Americans who don't want their tax dollars, pro-life Americans who don't want their tax dollars, funding abortion? Can the well, administration guarantee those tax dollars won't go well, abortion? Well,
1: I, I, I think, Owen, as I've just noted, three quarters of the public supports uh, the components of the package, wants to see the pandemic get under control, wants to see people put back to work vaccines and arms. So I think that answers your question. Okay, we're gonna move on.
0: So on one hand, obviously this does not answer his question. <laughs> He's like, can you guarantee that They're going to follow the law and not give the taxpayer money to abortion. And she says, look, three quarters of Americans want there to be a package. You say, okay, that has absolutely nothing to do with my question. She goes, I think that answers the question. On this deeper level, it does answer the question. You know, she wouldn't answer it directly. But in her really inexpert evasion, she is answering the question. Joe Biden, as of now, the stance of the White House, is that he will be a lawless president? He will not be bound by the law if he disagrees with the law, even a law that is so uh, controversial. I, I mean, it, you know, it, I'm not saying the law itself is controversial, but the it, it there is there is controversy that has surrounded it. I don't think it ought to be controversial that you know people shouldn't have to fund this sort of butchery, but it's a it's a really hotly contested. Uh, or a deeply felt issue. If Joe disagrees with the law, then this is going to be a lawless White House. So much for science, right? As we mentioned earlier on in the show. Left uh, doesn't really care very much about the science of biology, whether on well, we're talking about uh, human lives, little babies, or whether we're talking about uh, biological sex. But they do push a a sort of pseudoscience that I guess is sort of related to biology. They're pushing a very radical form of race science. They're positing a a science of race uh, whereby uh, certain groups ought to be favored, they ought to receive certain advantages, and certain groups ought to be disadvantaged because their their very race is uh, wicked, evil, needs to be abolished, abolished the principal of Eastside Community School in New York, sent out a graphic to his uh, community detailing the eight types of whiteness. The scale shows white identities ranging from good white identities to bad white identities. But even that is a little bit of a misnomer because the premise of the scale is that white people are bad. Being white, just being a white guy, which, by the way, the, the principle is, is defining. The left is defining. Sometimes the left wants to say, hey, there's no such thing as whiteness. Come on, whiteness is a social construct. Well, uh, uh, whiteness is not particularly important to my identity. I don't think of, of myself primarily as white. I think of myself Catholic, you know, American, uh, New Yorker, at least originally, now Tennessean. I think of all these uh, conservative, whatever. But the left seems to know what white means. The left seems to be able to identify who white people are, and the left is calling for the abolition of white people and for for social disadvantage for them. But he says the the good white people are so-called white abolitionists, abolitionists, and the bad white people are white supremacists. So the eight categories. Start with the worst one, that's a white supremacist. Who's a white supremacist? I don't know. I don't really see very many of them, but I'm told that 75 million Americans are white supremacists. Then there's a white voyeurism. What is white voyeurism? I know it sounds kind of kinky. I don't know. I don't know what white voyeurism is. Then there's white privilege. Notice, by the way, it's shifting. Uh, Obviously, whoever put this graphic together is not not the most literate person in the world. You You have white supremacist. Then you get an ism. Then you get a privilege, white privilege. Then you get white benefit. I guess that's where you, you know, it's like you get certain advantages from being white like having to listen to these idiots tell you how evil you are. Then there's white confessional. Uh, so you, uh, it's like, I guess, the early stages of white guilt. Then there's white critical. That's where you st- sort of don't like yourself because of your skin color. Then there's white traitor. So I guess that's just what it sounds like. And then there's white abolitionist. Abolitionist. You want to abolish white people. You know, it's it's funny because when the, the, the racial identitarians on the on the right, you know, call whatever you want to call them, white supremacist, white neo, this or that, when they say in their you know sort of most fevered uh, protestations, they'll say the left is anti-white and they want to abolish white people, and you say, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not, I don't know about that. But then these guys come out and they say that very thing. They say, yeah, we want to abolish white people. What what do they think is going to happen here? There was a Pew Research survey, I've mentioned it on the show a few times, that measured racial consciousness. Uh, You know, how important race is to one's sense of identity. And it found out that race is very important to the identity of uh, black people, Hispanic people, and Asian people in America. You just measure, you say, do you think race is important or very important to you? And something like greater than 50% of those groups said, yes, it is number for white people was 15%. White people, broadly speaking, do not have this racial consciousness. It's ironic because we are told by the left that white people are the only people who can be racist. What does racism mean? Because racism, as I think of racism, it is a hatred and animosity for people on the basis of their race, which is, which is wrong because racism is an affront to human dignity. But the way the left defines racism, it's sort of like it, it's completely divorced from reality because racism is apparently only held by people who who have statistically speaking the least racial consciousness of anybody in the country w- what do you think the end game of this is because what i what i would like what i think would be lead to a nice flourishing society is if people didn't think primarily about race i mean to, you know to to some degree you think about race i'm i'm descended from italian people I eat a lot of pasta, I, obviously I speak with my hands, I'm doing that right now. So I'm not saying there's no such thing as race or something like that, but race has its proper place. Right, I don't, I don't lead marches, I'm not a spaghetti supremacist or something like that. When you, when you make an idol out of the, out of race, you get racism, very bad. The state has a proper place in our lives. When you make an idol out of the state, you get statism. Uh, individuality, our, this, our sense as individuals has its proper place in a polity. When you make an idol out of that, you get hyper-individualism, society starts to break down. So you don't don't want to make an idol out of these things. You don't want to utterly deny them either. But what the left is telling us is that race is basically the most important thing. We should make an idol out of it. We should pursue a racist policy. And uh, we're going to castigate people who have basically very little racial identity on the basis of their race. All that can do, the only thing that will happen from that, is to increase racial identity and division. Maybe that's what the left wants. I assume it is. But this isn't just happening at some kooky school in New York. But you know this. You've seen this kind of stuff in corporate boardrooms. You've seen this kind of stuff in a lot of PSAs. We we do the woke commercials on my YouTube channel where you you don't even know what product these companies are selling. They're just selling racial grievance or sexual grievance. But you see this all around the country, Uh, notably at a school in Philadelphia that is honoring Black communism. This, th- uh, there is a school in Philadelphia that uh, is honoring Black communism and Black power. This comes to us by way of Christopher Rufo at City Journal, who's covering critical race theory. So, this a teacher at a, a school, William D. Kelly School in Pennsylvania, is. Uh, leading 10 and 11-year-old students into the school auditorium to simulate a black power rally to free Angela Davis, a communist terrorist, from prison because she was once held in prison awaiting uh, trial on charges of conspiracy, kidnapping, and murder. And, and they, the teacher in, in Philly had the students walk around with signs that read black power Jail Trump—a little anachronistic, given when Angela Davis was on trial. Free Angela and Black Power matters. They chanted the uh, about Africa. They chanted about ancestral power. Then free Angela, free Angela. Angela Davis. When I say she's a communist, I mean she was an actual member of the Communist Party and won the International uh, Lenin Peace Prize, ironically named, just given out by the Soviet Union. Right? I mean, she, this woman is a hardcore communist terrorist. This is the curriculum being taught at William D. Kelly School. Now, you're going to be shocked to hear this. Hold a sit down to hear this. William D. Kelly School, one of the worst performing schools in Pennsylvania. I know I know you would have thought with, a, with such a brilliant curriculum such as this, that these would be the most urbane, educated uh, graduates anywhere in Pennsylvania, right? No. Uh, William D. Kelly School has just 3% proficiency in math by sixth grade, 9% proficient in reading. By graduation, only 13% of uh, students who graduate from this school will have achieved basic literacy. Now, obviously, this school should be shut down. Not serving students at all, probably destroying these students' lives by utterly failing them on education, filling their heads with a bunch of stupid and evil ideas. Are conservatives willing to say that? Because this is a, a radical agenda that is uh, being pushed. Uh, Probably the school doesn't want to educate the children because educated students would understand what bunk all of this is. Much better for for these political radicals to keep everybody stupid and uneducated. Much more likely that people will be compliant that way. But I think a lot of conservatives don't want to touch this stuff because conservatives don't want to be called racist. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait a second, these people on the right, or, or on the left, rather, they're the ones pushing racism. The people on the right are opposing racism. I know, but but because of that, conservatives are so touchy about this sort of thing. They don't want to be accused of any mean term, especially because of the extraordinary prominence of uh, of racism. You know, in, in canceling people, right? This term racism that they just don't want to touch it. The only way that we're going to be able to retake the culture is by speaking plainly about these things. People should not be given special privileges because of their race, based on claims of historical grievance or uh, this sort of wicked ideology, communism, whatever. You know, Students should not be participating in free Angela Davis reenactments. Uh, students should not be taught that communism is a good thing you might be able to hear my newborn son crying in the background right now as I, as I record from home. And uh, he obviously is in great agreement that society is in turmoil <laughs> and we have to do something about it. We need to be able to clearly state we believe this, we don't believe this. Not just, hey, we're going to be inclusive and yeah, we can teach critical race theory, but we should also maybe teach Shakespeare or something. No, we need to be much more serious about this. We need to be exclusive about this. We need to say, this trash does not belong in schools. Teachers who teach this sort of thing, critical race theory, this teacher, whoever did the Angela Davis thing, that teacher needs to be fired. That teacher probably should never be hired again by any school. That teacher should be ostracized from his community. This sort of thing should, if this does show up at a school, the administrators of that school should probably be fired. They should at least be deeply ashamed. We should should say enough is enough. We're going to teach good things that will form students' brains in the right way, that will teach them how to read, how to write, how to think, that will teach them to have an ordered view of the good, that will teach them virtue, that will teach them not to do vice, not to engage in vice, and to, to shun all those sorts of wicked things the currently open uh, sort of um, subjectivist, relativistic kind of tone that we have on the right, it ain't going to work. New York Post is reporting more schools are ditching Shakespeare. Remember, I, I was talking about this years ago when Yale started minimizing the role of Shakespeare in the English department. People said, oh, it's not a big deal. Come on, Michael. They're making the curriculum a little more inclusive. No, they're not. They're not. What the left is doing is taking out the old good books and replacing them with new bad books. And they're justifying this on their stupid racial theories, which are not only dumb, but also wrong and evil. Ayanna Thompson, who's an English professor at Arizona State University, uh, said in an interview that, uh, quote, Shakespeare was a tool used to civilize black and brown people in England's empire, and therefore we got to get rid of it. She's half right. The thing is, Shakespeare is a tool to civilize all of us. And as my, I don't know if I'm brown or so, I'm swarthy. I'm Sicilian. Are we brown? I don't know. Are we white? I don't know. Maybe, a, a, a sort of, uh, maybe I'll be able to, to escape the worst, uh, worst consequences of the new racial regime the left is pushing. Just I'm a little swarthy. Probably not, though. I think they're actually going to go after me, especially on the basis of my views. Shakespeare civilizes all of us. Shakespeare teaches us about human nature, teaches us about who we are, teaches us how to make sense of our freedom, how to make sense of our worst impulses, how to make sense of the places that we live in. What the left is pushing is a sort of scientific view. They're saying there's no such thing as human nature. Different peoples are different. Different races are different. And by the way, it's all subjective and it's all just words, 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 as Hamlet would say. The left would know that if they uh, uh, were not uh, so illiterate, practically illiterate, and then culturally illiterate, too. What the right is pushing, what conservatives advocate, is a much more serious scientific view, meaning there is objective reality, there is such a thing as human nature. We all share that human nature, and we need to come to understand that. That is science, too. That is a much more serious scientific perspective, the recognition of human nature and a politics that acknowledges human nature. That's much more serious than uh, the, whatever the sort of random COVID reopening policies or the dire threats of global warming. I think that uh, the the attacks on human nature that <laughs> are being done, the attacks on our educational system, a far greater threat, a far greater threat than uh, global warming or anything else. All right, stay bundled up, stay warm out there amid all this global warming. See you next time. Supervising Producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production Manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Mike Koromina Hair and Makeup by Nika Geneva. And Production Coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. On The Matt Wall Show, we talk about the things that matter. Real issues that affect you, your family, our country. Not just politics, but culture, faith current events, all the fundamentals. If they matter to you, come check out the show. Right now, go to preborn.com slash Knowles. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saved over 58,000 babies. Thank you to all who made this possible. We need to celebrate these precious babies. When Charlotte found out she was pregnant, she was seven weeks along. In the back of her mind, she thought abortion was the best solution. She went into a preborn clinic, and after hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her beautiful baby on ultrasound, she chose life. Her heart is filled with gratitude for all of you who made this possible. Just 28 bucks a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears that heartbeat, it is a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together, help mothers choose life. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K N O W L E S. Preborn fundraises separately for all the administrative costs. So every dollar you give goes straight towards saving babies. Go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K N O W L E S, and donate right now.